Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story, the Cuban uprising, in quotes, persists. Seems like that they were provoked by U.S. propaganda. That was the claim originally out of Cuba. Cuba has apparently, according to reports here, censored, shut down the Internet, and we are not happy. There's media reports, media suggestions, a lot of talking heads saying that we have the technology to open up their Internet again, and Biden should do that to stand shoulder to shoulder with the protesters. Obviously, or I would say it's clear to me that the Cuban position is a foreign government is in here interfering with our politics, maybe even planting agents provocateur, which are being boosted by U.S. propaganda. This is the kind of thing that we we claim to be strongly opposed to when it comes to us. They don't want Russia promoting anti-Hillary parades in Florida, even if True blue Hillary haters are the ones marching in them. This has been a long time theme for us. I have a question about that. Originally, the report was that they were protesting because they wanted vaccines. Then it was they were protesting against communism. Has there been any clarity on that? I assume that that dialectic is going to continue. I'm just focusing specifically on today's headlines, which is all about how they are cracking down. There's a part two to my story, which is that the uh, another a sub headline in the like, should Biden go in and open up that country is 1619 project creator claims Cuba's dictatorship could serve as a model for other countries. Okay, so I have two things to say about that. One is it's Nicole Hannah Jones. She was, uh, I guess, instrumental in the 1619 project. She this is the sub headline says Cuba is among the most equal countries because of socialism. Uh, It has least inequality between black and white people. Now, for me, obviously, what does equality mean? Do you want equality of outcome? Do you want I mean, the easiest way to make sure everybody is equal is to make sure everyone is in abject poverty and doesn't even have the necessities of life. That is the one way to make sure that everyone is equal in their desires and their position. But the what was annoying to me about this article is that they are referring to a 2019 podcast uh, with Ezra Klein. It's written in a very kind of passive way. You're supposed to say Ezra Klein asked Hannah Jones, but it doesn't say that. It says Hannah Jones was asked on a podcast with Ezra Klein. I, so I'm not sure exactly what the details are that she uh, she thought what would be. Uh, a candidate or places that had a viable and sufficiently ambitious integration agenda. So she was asked specifically about an integration agenda. And she said the most equal multiracial country in our hemisphere would be Cuba. Now, I'm not sure about that. I don't know how Brazil is. But anyway, she said they have the least inequality between black and white people. Uh, The Caribbean places are hard to look at, really, because there's very small white populations. A lot of those countries are run by black folks, but in places that are truly at least biracial, Cuba has the least inequality, and that's largely due to socialism, which I'm sure no one wants to hear. So the left continues, so the right continues to say this is about socialism. I haven't, I didn't look into it, but I'm assuming that tomorrow the left will come out and talk about healthcare. But 
I will say that I had put in the July newsletter, so which came out on July 1st on thepropreport.com, my book recommendation for the month was a psychological... Um, Psychological Warfare in the New World Order, I think it's called. And it's by this guy, Servando Gonzalez, who I think was a Cuban guy. And what he said, he had made a really shocking claim, in my opinion, which was that Cuba was intentionally... Uh, deindustrialized. They took the most industrial country in the Western Hemisphere and they deindustrialized it as a kind of trial run. Now, since it didn't, like the rest of us didn't fall like dominoes, I really don't know what the impact on the ground was in other parts of the Western Hemisphere. But now, uh, especially since Dean tweeted at us that you know, how many people do you think realize we're being downgraded? I really think that this, that it is exactly that. I, again, I highly recommend that book. And, and the last thing I'll say is that I have noticed this weird trend in my hairdresser who I really like. He is very kind of, you know, you peel the onion one layer, but there's a whole lot of propaganda on that layer. So he tells me things that I realize are like, you know, people who, are trying to find the truth, but it's still not the truth. But but he did make an observation. He said a lot of women are just kind of giving up. They're giving up on coloring their hair, giving up even on wearing bras. And and what I had noticed was that that people there isn't really that much to dress up for, especially in the virtual world. People aren't even wearing pants, you know. So I I do feel like taking those luxuries away. And then we have some of the articles I brought last week about the World Economic Forum and uh, saying that there should be this hyper tax on luxuries, which, of course, plays into the hands of the people who love hierarchy, who love the gap, the wealth gap. They they don't like it that everyone can afford everything or at least there's competition for the super, super expensive stuff. They want to have status. So I think that this is a great third worlding of the really the upper middle class and middle class is getting pushed down just like in so many third world countries. That's interesting. You bring that up about women not wearing brawls. There was a story a few days ago that I just completely overlooked because I didn't make any connection to it until just now when you did about Jillian Anderson, who was on X-Files, played Scully on X-Files. And, and she's the, an American Gods. The story. Was, oh, yeah. The story was why Jillian Anderson is done with brawls. She doesn't care if her breast reach her belly button. I didn't read the article, but I just noticed that kept popping up in the headlines. I've noticed that trend. It's this thing about feminism. It's just come out like I, you can tell when you talk to people who are like very plugged into whatever social media or something like these trends emerge. Another one is like Maui not liking tourists. Like why have you seen these articles about Maui? There's just all these articles about Maui. And I'm like, who cares about Maui? Like, is this really unique to Maui? Why, 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 why? I just can't figure it out. But you can tell these trends that they get put out there and they get picked up. And sometimes I think that they're just test runs. And sometimes I think that they're, they have a deeper meaning. I think, uh, anyway, I have more about that when it comes to the Black Lives Matter search. The, the um, search for extremists, but I'll tell you that in a, in a minute. I have a follow-up for you on the search for extremists when it comes to the prosecution of the Capital Six, quote, rioters, or however you want to characterize them. 
Last week, we told you about Paul Hodgkins. He's a man who pleaded guilty to one count of obstruction of official proceed, obstruction of an official proceeding. And this was for entering the Capitol building on January 6th. And it's a felony. Now, he originally pleaded not guilty to all five charges that were of a similar nature, but he changed his mind once he got some pressure from prosecution, some threats of some more severe sentencing. And he ended up taking a deal and pleading guilty to one charge. And this morning, he officially became the first felony sentencing to come from the events January 6th. Now, his sentence was this. A judge sentenced Hodgkins to eight months in prison and 24 months of unsupervised release. Okay, eight months in prison, 24 months unsupervised release. Now, again, what did he actually do? Here's what he did. Videos and photos from inside the Senate chamber show him carrying a Trump flag and wearing a Trump shirt. And according to the prosecutors themselves, he committed no acts of violence. He encouraged no acts of violence. He was not associated with any domestic terror group that they labeled domestic terror group. And in fact, he rendered aid to someone who was injured inside. Yet despite all of this, they sought this strict sentence of eight months in prison for basically being a Trump supporter because they argue that due to his beliefs, there's more is a higher likelihood that he will be a repeat offender now that's but he prosec- must have he must have plea bargained this no he didn't plea bargain the oh he was in a trial what happened was he he pled guilty to the charges right. but they had a right. hearing right. where the prosecutors were seeking a, a more severe sentencing because of his beliefs and the judge granted what i think is a pretty severe sentence for simply going inside of a building which is trespassing basically Trespassing as a Trump supporter might be what I would call that sentencing. And again, I don't think I told people in the DMP, uh, DMB, what he, how he actually got caught. He was caught after a tipster called the FBI saying they recognized him in a selfie that he took. And the tipster said they don't personally know him, but they had spoken to him. They, but they, but they had, oh, they do personally know him, excuse me, but they had not spoken to him in several years. And a friend of a friend had found the photo of him on Parlor. So a friend of but- a friend. I remember you brought this story last week, but I can't remember why he pled guilty. Why would he plead guilty to this? He pled no guilty because they, they, had, they were charging oh, right. him with five of felonies course. to begin with, and they were all right. of very similar nature, so they were stacking these sentences. This is right. their carrot and stick policy that they're doing because Joe Biden's war on terror is this, and they're seeking enhanced terrorism penalties if you, if you meet the criteria. So he was facing potentially... Who knows how long in prison? See, this is the slippery slope that libertarians warn people about when they decided that terrorists were not human beings who deserved rights. Now, here's the problem. A couple of problems with that. You don't know the person is a terrorist until that person is convicted. And what the hell is a terrorist anyway? Makes you feel terror. You don't know if that person is a criminal unless they've been convicted. And you get your rights before you get convicted in case you've been entrapped or there's something screwy. And furthermore, the same people who said that those people, these quote terrorists were not protected by constitutional rights are the same people who say that constitutional rights are God-given rights that happen to be written down in the Constitution, but they don't come from the government. They come from God, that the government's not allowed. If the government changes the page, the words on the page, doesn't mean that your rights go away. So all of that stuff means that these people have real rights. And if you're going to start saying, so that, so that was my argument about terrorism and 
taking away rights for people who were accused of that. It's very easy when you take people's rights away to accuse. That's why we have the rights, because the British were accusing people and railroading them and, tra- and trapping them during revolutionary times so that they wouldn't have those uh, political, have any of that political power. Similarly here, now that you're talking of domestic terrorists, what's domestic terrorist? A domestic terrorist is somebody who opposes the regime in Washington right now. That is exactly why the Bill of Rights are there. You cannot have accentuated punishment for quote terrorists when you're defining terrorists as someone who has a different political viewpoint than you it's the exact opposite of what the constitution is there for and i would call it just absolutely unconstitutional and a little scary too because it makes you kind of wonder how or if this is going to be extended to what you just described anybody who poses the regime in washington and we know that the way that they classify people now is domestic terrorism is classified or the big lie which is connected to domestic terrorism the big lie the categories are the january 6th people who were there people who are supporting the election audits and people who are supporting the new voting laws in the various states, voting laws that are called racist. So we had Biden over the weekend come out and say that misinformation on Facebook is killing people. This is pandemic of misinformation killing people. So can you extend that to physically say you killed people, therefore you're going to be under threat of being charged with domestic terrorism for posting, quote, misinformation, which could actually end up being true onto Facebook? And this leads us to what we've been talking about with the election challenges. Garland has discovered some great stuff with the election challenge. I won't rehash all of that because we had a great show this past Saturday. If you guys want to check out, Garland went through what he has uncovered. And he's the only person in Voter GA is the only group that has really presented a very factual base through the court system. Not not doing a lot of rhetoric, not doing a lot of jumping ahead, but just going fact by fact and showing some of the discrepancies in the vote count that have been uncovered. Well, Sno- well Snopes did a fact check on this. And... Tucker Carlson last week actually covered what Gar- what Garland and Voter GA had uncovered. But Tucker Carlson, I, I noticed it. He used a little bit of, of rhetoric in his presentation, a little drama in it. And I pointed to that drama right there. And I said, that is ultimately going to be what the fact check is. The fact check isn't going to be on the actual facts. And I was correct on that. What Snopes fact checked was they fact checked Tucker, not Garland. So that's the main point. They didn't fact check Garland. They fact check Tucker. So that's the straw man. And the fact check that they they did is they know Tucker Carlson did not reveal evidence of mass voter fraud in Georgia. Now, this this is important. Nobody claimed that. Tucker didn't even say mass. So they started off with a straw man. And it's not mass. Yes. Garland did not claim this. And this is the main thing that they, quote, debunk. And then they go and say that the claim within the article, Tucker Carlson revealed credible evidence of widespread voter fraud in Georgia. Nobody claimed widespread voter fraud. And this is how they are getting people not to even look into the evidence is anytime somebody brings up the election challenge on the left, they hear voter fraud, widespread voter fraud. You're a liar. You're part of the big lie. Go ahead. It's not mass. It's not widespread. No. Nobody's saying that. It's it's a, a difference maker, but it's not voter fraud. It's not voter fraud. It's election fraud. They're not saying that voters are showing up. They're saying that the election officials have made uh, shockingly irresponsible mistakes or intentional fraud. But the, Garland always makes the point. It's not voter fraud. 
It's not. And, and he's exactly right. And that is how when you're having conversations with people about this who disagree with it, this is the mind frame that they are thinking through. So you have to get around that mind frame. And the interesting part is that even Snopes has agreement on many of the things that Garland found that other people have discovered that there were double scan ballots, that the tally, the tally doesn't match up on the tally sheet. So they are admitting that some of these things are true, but they're just kind of brushing those under the rug and not actually debunking those because they're debunking this greater straw man of widespread voter fraud. So don't say widespread. When somebody says there is no widespread voter fraud, agree with them. You're right. <laughs> but there is differences in the vote count that has been discovered. And that's where you start is with agreement. I want to give you one quick line just to show you the way. Snopes fact checks. They say the AJC didn't report that hundreds of ballots were improperly duplicated. It reported that nearly 200 ballots were scanned twice before a recount. Isn't that kind of similar? Hundreds and 200. Isn't 200 hundreds? (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. Snopes is terrible. Yes, I agree. So there, this is another story that kind of folds into saying one thing and meaning another or trying to trap people with words or getting it wrong. It's the Pentagon has hired a company called Moonshot. It's out of the UK. It's kind of a weird thing to to uh, outsource to a different country. Although they, the article that I was reading said, well, we don't know why they did a UK company. If you think of how like the five eyes worked, you have uh, there are a lot of laws about how you and your like the US cannot spy on U.S. citizens, but the U.S. can spy on U.K. citizens and U.K. can spy on U.S. citizens. And then if the governments just ask each other for the information, they can get it. Like, it's really crazy. I heard Judge Napolitano explain it once um, a while back under Obama. So uh, that could be why, although it wasn't laid out that way in this article. But it did say that the Pentagon is investigating extremism and it's using this outsourced moonshot company. And they're looking for one of the one of the things they're looking for in in their search for white supremacists inside the ranks of the armed services is by seeing how many times or who has searched for this search term, for example, quote, the truth about black lives matter that uh, it seems to be. An interest in engaging with white supremacism, they say. So the contractor, Moonshot, previously uh, had a anti-defamation league project uh, that it went along with on purportedly white supremacy trends in the United States. It monitored almost 1,600 indicators of interest or engagement with white supremacists focused specifically on anti-black and anti-Semitic narratives being used by extremist groups. So that's what they're looking for. And it says, while the search phrase, the truth about black lives matter, seems innocuous, several books included in their title and allege that the BLM movement is joined with Antifa in burning and looting. These sources echo white supremacist disinformation narratives, alleging that BLM protesters are trying to overthrow the republic and harm American citizens in a Marxist coup. They said YouTube videos also show that. And I, and this reminds me, you were way ahead of the Marxist roots of BLM, but then everybody picked up on it from coast to coast. And it reminded me so much of when I posted that 
weird BBC report on a child in Pakistan who died in a school shooting who what it was the exact same picture as somebody who died in a school shooting here. And then me and a lot of other people got taken off of WordPress because we took that bait. And it seems to me that that's what that this just reminds me of that. And uh it also I makes think, me yeah. think of the idea of coded language, because if they're going to be researching for us to provide us with information about racism, they're, they're going to do the evaluation of us. We hear them talk about how, how do you know this is racist? Well, coded language. We know how to decode the language of racist. And then they just make up these decoded language. Are they going to do the same thing? It sure sounds like it. And that does flip the script. So the coded language was the Pizzagate thing was the first time that people took that that I observed people taking the coded language thing seriously. And here, like this article then just tries to take an ad hominem attack against the moonshot people by saying that the company's CEO served as a leader in the Obama Foundation's Europe program. She also participated in a panel hosted by the Southern Poverty Law Center, which is highly controversial. And she seems to have acknowledged financial support from the Open Society Foundation, which, of course, is George Soros. So they are clearly trying to get people at each other's throats here. But I thought it was interesting that that whole BLM Marxist thing or the you know, that narrative would lead someone to type in the truth about Black Lives Matter. I mean, it may be the title of one of our shows for all I know. And that is a and I feel like they're just using it to as a trap. And they highlight that YouTube videos will be taken down. And this Google search engine thing that's now popping up when you type in certain things like that is giving you the independent fact checks. Remember, we talked about the warnings about this might not be complete information yet. When you type in Tucker Carlson, Fulton County, the first thing that pops up is independent fact check link to in a, in a very specialized box link to that Snopes thing I just went to. They isolate that away from everything else. I mean, it's crazy the amount of control that this that is going oh, on right now. Yeah, that's funny. Everything at Google included. Because I saw and I was trying to find out this ivermectin study. I heard Dr. Pierre Corey talk about the Argentine study on ivermectin, which I had seen a long time ago. I knew it was out there. And what he cited was something I couldn't exactly put my finger on. But he said, I think they gave it to 800 people and the 400 people who got ivermectin did not get COVID. And of the 400 people or, or whatever, however many hundreds of people who did not get ivermectin that got the placebo, 58% of them tested positive for COVID. So I wanted to find that. I was like, Argentinian ivermectin study. And the whole page, the whole page on Google was why you should not take ivermectin for COVID. It's crazy. They it just is. tell you, the, they, they anticipate why you're seeking it and they go ahead and try and dispel that and give you the answer before you can find anything yes. else. It is messed up. If we probably have uh, time for one more short story, I know you've got a few. We've got a, a Twitter. We got show. a Twitter-related story. Twitter suspended some fake accounts last week that it had verified itself. So they were verified blue check mark accounts that they realized weren't real. And then they suspended them. A spokesperson at Twitter said, we mistakenly approved the verification applications of a small number of inauthentic accounts. We have now permanently suspended the accounts in question and removed their verified badge under our platform manipulation and spam policy. So back in May, Twitter had relaunched their verifications thing after like a year long freeze of public submission. So you couldn't get one for like a year. So they, they wanted to open that back up for people with the new policy being that for the verification 
relocation rules that accounts must have been active in the last six months. They must fit one of several criteria, government, companies, brands and organizations, news outlets, journalists, entertainment, sports and gaming, activists, organizations and other influential individuals. And, and yet somehow fake accounts were able to get verified under them. And they didn't know it until, or maybe they did know it, and they, they, I don't know what they're trying to do here, but you should trust nothing. The blue check mark is nothing. If anything, yeah. it, it invalidates people if you have a blue check mark. I totally think that. I'm proud to say I do not have a blue check mark, although there's we'll a lot of We'll probably get people, one after this know, to invalidate funny. ourselves. But there's so, people have many fewer followers, and I have, I have the blue check mark, but it sounds to me like that's clearly an approved influencer. So does it have a blue check mark? It's almost like people yes. are too stupid to like follow that authority, authority, authority mantra, and they need to literally see the blue check mark. And maybe there'll be a little tweet that goes along with it that your Alexa can sing to you in the middle of the night and, and put program into your into your well, mind. Yeah. I mean, I've been having weird dreams ever since we did that story. Just thinking about yeah. that has made me think and now worry they, about it now. They're advertising in your dreams. Like I, I, I remember the time that my Alexa escaped from the box. And uh, there's an echo. We got for one Christmas. We got three echoes from different people. I like, remember from a that. Business. Like it was so crazy. And I just like had them in the corner, and I was gonna dispose of them properly. And I saw one on the counter, like the open box, and the echo in the middle of the counter, and it looked like it had escaped. And I was like, get rid of that thing. I told everybody. And my husband's like, oh, give one to your sister. I'm sure she's like, I was like, no, definitely not. I'm not giving them. I'm just putting Did you very- throw it away and then it somehow ended up inside again the next day? <laughs> totally. I think there's like a special ritual you have to perform with a baseball bat to make sure that it never <laughs> comes back into your house. Well, we do have a packed show. But before we get to our last big story of the Free 30, which is, is Israel's Pegasus Project an echo of a past promise? Let me tell you what to expect in the Patron 15. Lindsey Graham, two ways. And what is all the airplane passenger unrest really all about? And of course, a big thanks to the sponsor of today's show, the sponsor of today's show is True Hemp Science. I love True Hemp Science. I love the people. I love the product. I really do. I mean, these are uh, real liberty-loving folks who are involved in our show just to support it. And I ha- this Chris is my guy there. So if you want to talk to Chris and see about their products, go to the website, truehemscience.com slash prop report. If you want to see if there's goodies for us there, but check out their products he has many, many products, but he's so knowledgeable about so much that if you want to make a free consultation with him, just it's right there on the website. Very easy to arrange. I do it all the time. And I just, I love these little, um, it's, it's like a way to people use CBD, CBD products for many, many different things, including uh, to address inflammation, anxiety, other unrest. I like to just take a, a, there's some numbers I like, I like number 81, a few drops of that uh, in my just a little glass of water after dinner. Absolutely love it. But they're also really fantastic therapeutic skincare products. Binkley loves the T-shirt. Anyway, so check it out. If you are a already somebody who is familiar with CBD products, then you will absolutely love True Home Science because their quality is through the roof. You are not going to get better quality than that. But if you are new to it, talk to Chris. 
just ask him what I like the most and he will tell you he's really can hone in on what what your particular bent is. And it's fun. He's got gummies. It's like a little treat. I, I just like it. And forget about it. The gluten free brownies and cookies are the best. So if you like the show, please support our sponsors and please support us. Even if you don't like the extra content, don't need the extra content, I should say, because we put out a lot. So we put out 30 plus minutes free every day. We've got some ads in here, as you can hear, which you will not hear if you become a patron. And we it's more than 30 minutes with the ads, but make sure there's 30 minutes of content free. And we also have 15 minutes plus of extra content every day in the Patreon 15. We have tons and tons of extra content in Patreon. We have extra content in Rockfin, but not everybody has the time. However, most of the stuff we do is free. Most of it is for outreach. We've been growing a lot lately. We've been contacting, reaching new audiences, bigger audiences. We continue to get a lot of feedback from listeners saying we have gotten them through this COVID time. So even if you don't have the capacity to listen to more, please consider the fact that your donations, which you can make at thepropreport.com, there's a donate button there thepropreport.com donate button that what you're doing is supporting the free content so that we can reach more people. The more people we reach, the more people understand that there are agendas behind the propaganda and the more people realize that there are folks like us out here who can think clearly and they will have the strength to resist some of these totalitarian tactics that are descending all over and we're about to hit another wave of that. So please consider donating to support us at thepropreport.com, the donate button. And with that, on to the last big story of the free 30. So, Binkley, have you seen the reports that were all over the place all weekend? So, so much so that my first whiff of it was from CNN. I was like, okay, this is either a massive whitewash cover up or it's a limited hangout. I don't know what's coming, but something's coming. It's about Israel's spyware named Pegasus has been listening to has been able to hack into phones of journalists and other activists in countries around the world. I did see that. It made me think of Project Pegasus or something like that. I don't know Project Pegasus. Maybe if you want to Google it uh, while I'm talking. We can yeah. see if it is related. So there is. OK, this says the Pegasus Project. So I guess that is what it's called. The Pegasus Project lays bare how the NSO's spyware is a weapon of choice for repressive government. So the NSO, NSO is the name of a company that is putting the software out. It says that the critics say this is a repressive government seeking to silence journalists, attack activists and crush dissent. And they use it for other similar uh, countries anti-democratic behavior. They are, according to the Amnesty International Secretary General, they are putting countless lives in peril. So the company claims that it's only used for legitimate criminal and terror organizations, uh, investigations, but the Technology facilitates systemic abuse. Last year, then Israeli Minister of Defense, now Prime Minister Naftali Bennett, put NSO on the map by publicly celebrating the fact that he had worked with NSO 
and the Israeli military to follow COVID exposure among the country's population. And I just, there's just a few things that I think are interesting about this. Sounds so much like the Promise software, P-R-O-M-I-S software. I've talked about that many times. Robert Maxwell was the guy behind that. There was a company in the U.S. that made Promise, which was for to find criminals, that they sold it to different law enforcement agencies in the country. The Department of Defense, from what I can tell, wanted to modify it so it had back doors and stuff, and this guy who owned the software wouldn't allow it. So the Department of Defense stole it drove the company into bankruptcy by not paying its bills and then sold it to Israel where Robert Maxwell sold an even more bastardized version all around the world where Israel could then see what was going on behind the scenes in different countries. So they could, including the United States, they could breach our security. We can't even get information about our own government because of national security considerations. Yet Israel is in the back door of every single one. That was the promise thing. And it was Robert Maxwell, who supposedly was killed by Mossad, but who knows if he even was killed. And that, of course, is Ghislaine's father. Now, I was absolutely certain I was right to smell a rat about this story when Edward Snowden, the Mac Daddy of all uh, limited hangouts, tweeted yesterday, stop what you're doing and read this. This leak is going to be the story of the year. It gets into Jamal Khashoggi, which I think is another fishy story. Then I was remembering that Dodi Fayad, Diana's fiance or alleged fiance was killed with her. He was Jamal Khashoggi's cousin. They were related to Anand Khashoggi, the biggest arms dealer during Iran-Contra. Maybe these guys are just being assassinated because they're they're weapons dealers and that this stuff is all in here. I don't know if they're making, they're trying to spin this story in a certain way to get ahead of it or if we're about to, this is about to launch a whole new cyber initiative and the two things that might point to that is Cyber Polygon, which is the World Economic Forum thing. Did you see that, Binkley? I saw that email about it. I was not familiar with that until it yeah. looks very interesting. Though. It's got like five hours of the same kind of, you know, Ventua One had five hours about the coming novel coronavirus back in October 2019. Also World Economic Forum. This is about cyber attacks and how different countries need to deal with it in different ways. Five hours of the same kind of tabletop stuff. So get ready now that we see what they can do. And then at the same time, uh, Dean happened to tweet at me a 700 plus page PDF, which I put in the show notes called the National Security Commission's final report on artificial intelligence. Eric Schmidt of Google put that out there. And and here's what's important about that. Uh, it's. There, there is a, this is going to fold into one of the patron 15 stories. I have a patron 15 story about airline passengers and i feel like they are distancing they're trying to get us to distance each other not travel not be near each other i'll explain in patron 15 and i think that that may fold into this idea that the artificial intelligence is going to be kind of taking over google eric schmidt one of the things that they were established by the nsa for read that courts article if you don't know what i'm talking about i'll put that in the show notes too is that they wanted to make sure that people they could they could understand you better by looking at the searches we we heard that in a previous 
give you a story today, the search terms. They understand you better. Then they can construct a more in-depth, more believable psychological profile of you. And then they want to create around you, I think, artificial intelligence of what they call birds of a feather that can influence you for better or worse. So I see this cyber thing coming down from the World Economic Forum. Maybe the story of Israel is getting us to want to take action against intentional or accidental or criminal hacking of any kind, like we need security, and then fold that into the cyber polygon tabletop exercise and this call for uh, AI coming down. And I think they're, they're readying us for a paradigm shift in our our cyber environments. I mean, obviously, we've been set up to be completely corralled in the cyber environment. Next, they're going to that regime's going to come down and control it in a whole new way, I think. Everything would definitely lend to that. And I think they can rope in the domestic terror with it, domestic terrorists hacking and putting misinformation out there. I think they can bring it all together. And we are definitely going to see some crackdown on that. I, w- I want to will say that the Project Pegasus that I was thinking about is, is very, very different than <laughs> Tell me, what that is one. It? it is a Project Pegasus that probably only those who've really dove into the conspiracy world have heard of. It is from a guy named Andrew Bassani. He's a lawyer and claimed time traveler. And Project Pegasus is the true history of the U.S. time space exploration, where it goes into how he and others, including Obama, he says, time traveled to Mars years ago. He says he met Obama on Mars. I'm just telling you what this Project Pegasus yeah, was. I don't absolutely. Bl- yeah. And guess what? Now that this is called that, what do you think is going to happen to the search for You're not going to be able to book? find much about this anymore. She <laughs> used to be on Coast to Coast all the time. It was, it was fun to listen to. I, yeah, I can't take I'll it with bet. a grain of salt, but definitely fun to I'll listen bet. to. Well, let's get on to that Patron 15 stuff. I just want to tell people that I'm going to be at Freedom Fest this week. If you are too, go to thepropreport.com, the meetups tab. Look at the Freedom Fest one. I'm going to try to post... Uh, updates on there. I'm going to have a lot of free time. I'm hoping we can all get together. And in the meanwhile, I'm going to be back. I'll be here tomorrow for the DNB. But Cam and Binkley are going to team up on Wednesday and Thursday to do the DNB and the Patron 15. But I am also going to put in some of the interviews and podcasts that I will be doing and have done with people at Freedom Fest as a little bonus for patrons. I appreciate that you continue to support us, even though we take you know some time off. But we always, always try to put in uh, different new interesting stuff never go a day when we're slated to post a DMB and a patron 15 that we don't always have something new and interesting to post so look out for that all right you guys can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the propaganda report podcast feed if you want access to the extra content that we post go to patreon.com slash propaganda report join up there or go to rockfin.com slash propaganda report and check that out and consider joining up there we will talk to y'all tomorrow or in the patron 15 have a fantastic rest of your day